Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and my co-host, Devendra Hardwar, is out taking some time off and joining me as guest co-host this week and for the foreseeable future because I'm going to kick Devendra off of this podcast. I kid. It is senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing? Sam's like my big brother in a different way that Devendra is. Both of my big brothers, but... You keep extending this weird pseudo-family tree, and I'm not entirely sure I understand how it works, but I think it works in your head, which I, you know is good enough, I guess. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. This week, we're talking about a grab bag of news. We've got stuff from Twitter slash X. We've got stuff from Google. We've got stuff from Meta. It is that kind of week. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes or any other podcast platform. I think if we have a Google Maps thing, you could also leave us a Google Maps review. We don't. Um, And we are still working out uh, the Kings in Bringing live streams back. So for now and for probably the rest of August, we will not have a live stream version of the recording of this show. But when we are back, hopefully that'll be Thursday mornings at about 10.30 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. Just Keep an eye on the Engadget Twitter or the Engadget Threads accounts to get the updates. All right, so like I mentioned, this week we're just talking about general tech news. There's no real big news topic while um, the rest of the team at Engadget you know, reviews our Samsung products in the background. Uh, Sam, you've got the Z Fold 5, I've got the Z Flip 5. You're, you're reviewing right now in earnest, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we're both you know kind of wrapping up reviews. We've had the phones for about a week now, um, so... Yeah, and, and you know the, the they go on sale uh, August 11th, which is coming up pretty soon. Um, yeah, we're hoping to get our reviews up before that, so that y'all will have some time to read, you know, learn about the performance, battery life, camera stuff before you go make your buying decisions. And this usually would be a good time for us to kind of engage with the live stream audience, ask their questions about these devices. But in lieu of that, send us your questions about either or any of the Samsung devices. Or just anything in general. You can send them to podcast at Engadget.com. Hit us up at Engadget on Twitter slash X or on Threads. I think we're on Blue Sky and Mastodon. I was going to say, have you officially switched to calling it X now? You're, you're, you, you've just, the bird's gone dead to you? I don't know. I think I'm going to, I'm going to be like, Twitter X. X Twitter. I don't know why my X Twitter actually makes sense, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we we had a story go up le- this week where it was in the headline. It was Twitter slash X because I was like, I, I understand why we did it, and I think we kind of had to, but the the whole name scheme is just a big old yeah. mess, which it's I guess kind of leads us into other news. Yes, yes. I mean, speaking of chaos, the set of news I think that we have to talk about this week starts with a whole bunch of chaos from X and I'm actually going to start with the uh the, the this this stuff that happened over the weekend Sam I don't know if you paid attention but at some point I think it was Friday Elon Musk and co decided to put up a bright LED whatever sign at the top of their San Francisco headquarters uh that was just X 
uh, and it like shone and had this like flashing pattern that yeah, could it was cause just a big epileptic. strobe light. Uh, yes. And it was incredibly obnoxious. Uh, apparently, yep. there were multiple complaints from nearby uh, occupants about, mm-hmm. hey, this is like a big distraction and it's just like really annoying. Yes. Across the street, by the way, from uh, the Twitter slash X headquarters was a residential building. Imagine living across the street from that, like generally chill kind of used to be chill HQ and then like all of this stuff happening. Suddenly you have this bright light shining into your potentially bedroom and strobing. And it wasn't like once an hour or once a half hour. It's like every few minutes this thing would like blast off into a pattern. Oh my goodness. So, um, of course, you know, after the numerous, numerous complaints and multiple social media videos documenting how awful it looked, uh, I guess Elon finally took it down earlier this week. So it was up for maybe two or three days. It's just like, what, what's going on here? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand yeah. the strategy. What's the point? I think if he was talking about generating like publicity for the name, I guess it made sense. I think I, w- I also want to point out that the like the residential building that was across the street, um, there were people in there that said it's like I'm reading different reports now. There, there have people saying it's a largely rent controlled building. There's a lot of seniors who live there. They're sure. Um, and one of the the residents says that they thought it was lightning at first. That's just I mean that's just disturbing. This is another example of Elon Musk just going ahead and doing whatever the hell he wants with no concern for people around him or whatever. So it was nice that the sign was eventually taken down on Monday, but that took a whole three days, right? Like, imagine having to live with that for your weekend. I would have gone over (laughs) and taken it down myself. I don't know how legal that was. Yeah, I'm like, I'm surprised Uh, people weren't out there throwing rocks at it or something. Uh, I I will say I think there's um, other stuff that's been happening uh, on X uh, or Twitter. For example, the fave icon having switched to a new like logo, I guess, altogether. Did start on Friday to throw up security alerts on Microsoft's Edge browser, which to be clear is a like known security issue, right? It is a valid security concern where if a website that you go to suddenly switches its fave icon or it's like little web app icon there uh it could be an indicator that there's a scam they're trying to send you to a different website and fish you right so yeah, it's, it's, it's always weird when you get that like you're, you're going to a website and it's like hey do you really want to proceed it's like yeah. oh wait a second uh i gotta think about this now yeah and then like one of the recommendations that Edge would give, and this is a default like warning message, not even like salty specifically towards X, but it was like, oh, we we, we encourage you to delete this <laughs> web app. Like we encourage you to not use it anymore. Um, but it was one of those things where it's again, like, what were you thinking? Why didn't you think to go through this um, before before changing something as dramatic as your you know logo or your icon? But cool. Um there's a lot, again, like we said, there's a lot that's been happening. I do want to quickly run through some of it. For example, TweetDeck has a new name. It is now XPro, which I don't think they've thought it through either because XPro could be like, you used to be a pro, you know, and now you're not. Um, Kanye West has been unbanned from Twitter slash X because I guess. Uh, again. X, and again. This is not too. the first time he's been unbanned. Good Lord. I mean, whatever. Grand scheme of things, that's very small because also nobody's on X anymore, I hope. So nobody cares. Um, the Twitter is also threatening to sue an anti-hate group over the research that is coming up. So it's like, there's little things that's been happening with X, I think, all week. And it'll be all year, all our lives until uh, this changes. But I think one of the more significant 
uh, updates that happened earlier this week is that you can now, if you're a Twitter slash X blue subscriber, you can now choose to hide your blue check mark. You know that that thing that some people pay pay like what four five dollars a month to I, get. I think it's, it's up to eight now, isn't it? Oh, those mofos, those poor poor scammed fools. Well, I guess now you can pay for it. I mean, look, Sam, I don't know if you ever had the blue check mark. No, I I have never had a blue check mark, and and mostly just for lack of trying, right? Like, yeah. you know, I don't I don't tweet a lot. Uh, you know, I usually I'm pretty good about responding to people if they tweet at me, but like social media in general just kind of makes me tired, so I kind of steer clear of that. But I mean, this is actually like, you know, there were a couple nice features in X Blue or whatever you know they want to call it, but I I think it's very it's like it's definitely a mark of shame to be like oh I'm I'm paying Elon money to use the hate web the 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 angry hate speech website and it's just like hmm okay well at least I can do this and kind of hide it uh, I guess that's good. My favorite thing is the whole like storyline of this right. It started with. Yeah, now people can pay to have blue check marks because f you blue check mark people because y'all ain't shit. Like I was a former blue check mark person. I was like verified, verified. It used not, to be like, like a kind of hate. exclusive. Like you, you would have yes. to like apply and you, or you have to like yes. know somebody to like you know, hey, can you like vet this person and then so they can get their check mark. Right. I, I had to jump through hoops. I had to like show proof of identity. I had to like link my author bio page to my Twitter page, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and so for me. When that discussion around like who deserves a blue check mark was going around, because that's kind of one of the reasons Elon Musk made it a paid feature too, right? Like, oh, these people aren't worthy of their verified marks. I'm like, all right, that's true. I'm no one. I don't think I deserve a blue check mark. Well, as a status symbol, I guess I'm not nowhere near someone like Mark Ruffalo who like truly needs to be verified. I mean, I was verified. I for me. I have been like identity stolen before. Like people have impersonated me to get jobs before. So like I think my blue check mark helped me in that. But eventually, the the arc of this story is that like it used to be such a thing you would pay money for. Now it's like every and then after yeah, a while, com- completely meaningless now. It's meaningless. It so people started like taking off the actual like formerly verified people like me, and then so then some of us. During the period where you still had your blue check mark up and you were formerly like you were legacy verified, remember? And then you would click down, and then like the meaning of like what your blue check mark means would come up, and like people would be like, "Yes, I am a legacy verified person," as opposed to a paid for Twitter blue person. And then the stage, the next stage was like um, they removed the the um, different uh, explanations altogether, and you just had a blue check mark whether you paid for it or not. During that time, me and a whole bunch of people went on our profiles and were like, "I did not pay." I did not pay for the blue check mark. I remember. It was, yeah. Yeah, pe- people it's, didn't want to be associated with it. Exactly. So now, after all of that uproar, after all of that back and forth over nothing, now you can pay to not, like, you you pay for it, and then you can choose to hide it. I just, oh, what a what a ride. What a journey. I just, listen, if nothing, if if in two years, Elon Musk doesn't walk away from X, I will eat paper. I just I'm 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 writing this down to you because I yeah. don't I don't think it's going to happen. He's going down. He's going down with the ship with this like, ship. <laughs> it's 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 his company. He's like, you know, they hired a new CEO and like she just seems to do everything that Elon says. And yes. I don't really understand it. I think in, in, in two. OK, two to five years, I think. But two years. I, I You know what? I don't mind eating paper. Let's do it. Two years. <laughs> OK, <laughs> mark, mark, mark it down. August okay. 2025. We're on record here. August 
2025, uh, I will eat paper if Elon Musk hasn't walked away from X slash Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, he has to walk away. I doesn't, it doesn't matter if like Linda Yaccarino is still there or whatever. We don't care. Just Elon has to walk away. You know, you know, another reason Elon might have to walk away is that Tesla might be in trouble. <laughs> you, this, this week, we learned that U.S. regulators are investigating Tesla over Model 3 and Model Y steering issues. Haha, ha, none of the Model X, because X is so good. Um, it so, looks like Tesla software had been inflating range, and the team uh, at the company was tasked with suppressing those complaints. Uh, Sam, you're more uh, up to speed on Eve, up to speed, haha, uh, about EVs than I am. What does this mean to you in general? Yeah, so these are kind of two separate things. Um, you know, the the Model 3 and Model Y were having steering issues, which in a car uh, is actually Bad. kind of important. Um, and so, you know, drivers were claiming that they were able to, unable to steer or they suffered a loss of power steering while driving. And obviously, that's a big concern. So the the NHTSA is investigating that. Uh, alternatively, um, and this we're going to get into this more later. Uh, there's been a big report about Tesla uh, inflating the range of of their cars so that people, you know, as they're driving, they think, "Hey, I have 200 miles of range left," and right. the you know it, they just weren't getting that. Uh, and it seems that a lot of people were complaining about this and they were scheduling service appointments to Tesla to get their car looked at because it's like, hey, you know, con consumers, uh, you know, owners, they're not getting the range that they expect from their car. So they're like, OK, let's let's inspect it. Let's check it out. Unfortunately, Tesla, because of their you know rapid growth over the last few years, they don't have the service centers or the personnel available to handle that amount of requests for uh, investigation or to, you know, to look at their car. And so they made a team to basically say, we're going to cancel some of these uh, service requests because, you know, the car is operating as normally uh, as normal, even though people don't think that it necessarily is. And so oh. this kind of uh, ties into a recent um, report uh, done by Consumer Reports, uh, kind of showing how the range of EVs depends a lot based on the ambient temperature. And I think a lot of people kind of know this intuitively because... You know, you see this most on cameras where like, you know, you're taking a nice fancy mirrorless camera or DSLR out into the wild. And if it's really cold, cold batteries just don't have the same battery life that you would get if, you know, it's at 70 degrees or 80 degrees. And actually the same thing holds true if it's really, really hot too. Um, mm -hmm. And, the, you know, you see this in phones. If you go to the beach and you leave your, uh, uh, your phone out in the sun, you'll actually get, and it can overheat or it can actually get reduced battery life. And obviously EVs that have huge batteries inside them have the same kind of issues but because the you know evs are kind of a new thing in general uh people don't necessarily think about them the same way they think about traditional gas cars um and so they kind of expect that like hey the range is what i'm going to get i always get 26 miles to a gallon, gallon or whatever i always get 230 or 300 miles of range on my ev right. if i have a full charge right and so you know they come out with a system and saying hey a lot of evs don't get the range that you expect, especially in uh, cooler temperatures or very hot temperatures. And even some of the estimates in normal temperatures are a little optimistic compared to, you know, your more realistic driving estimates. So this isn't like not, uh, not this is not like a Tesla specific issue, is it? Like every other as, as far as far as the range concerns. No, this is very much not a Tesla specific issue. Um, uh, Consumer Reports tested some other uh, EVs from other manufacturers, um, and you know, 
the numbers change depending on the thing, but it was very clear. Like you were seeing drops of a hundred miles of range in cold wow. weather. So, yeah. you know, if your uh, EV has 275 or 300 miles of range, you know, when at a hundred percent, um, in colder weather, you're getting more like 150. And, you know, that can be a big issue if you're planning a trip, especially in the winter. And it's also like not a, a, an indicator, sort of like a gas meter in your car that updates live, is it? Or is it that? Right. And so, th- you know, this all goes back to, you know, how EVs are designed. And so, you know, one thing that um, Tesla has been accused of is like being a little too optimistic in their uh, range yes, estimates yes. so that especially in the first 50% of the battery, it would be very optimistic. And so people would think they have more range than they actually do. And then as the battery uh, capacity drained a little bit uh, down below 50%, then they would kind of pull back those numbers. And so people were seeing their range shrink a lot, pretty uh, fa- faster than they were expecting. You know, some people it was alarming for them. And so, you know, that's just one of the things that like, you know, as people shift from uh, gas cars to EVs, it's one of the things that, like, you may not necessarily think about, but you kind of need to consider if you're planning, uh, you know, planning a longer trip. Now, uh, we're seeing um, some in- interesting quotes, too, uh, from the Reuters report that said that, uh, well, has anonymous sources saying things like, Elon wanted to show good range numbers when fully charged. When you buy a car off the lot, you see uh, 350 mile, 400, 400 mile range. It makes you feel good. So this, again... Sounds like uh, sort of like Elon Musk strategizing in a very scheming way. Um, And and if you look at EVs in general, you know, Tesla is one of the nice things about Tesla is that they're generally regarded as having uh, a more range than similar sized EVs. You know, the the Tesla Model Y, the long range model can get like 330-ish miles of range, whereas like similar uh, cars from, you know, say Volvo or Polestar or Kia or whatever, you know, they're closer to 275, 300. So, you know, and, and so they want, you know, Elon's trying to push that, but the the issue is like how far uh when you push that is does it become like misleading or even dangerous to to the consumer oh it absolutely in my mind is dangerous because you'd go on a road trip like you said and thinking you have and especially like after the 50% mark what like you were saying if it suddenly just drops a lot you you know you find yourself nowhere near a charging uh station then you're you're so I guess. Um, apparently, Tesla was also fined earlier this year by the by South Korean regulators um, because the cars were delivering as little as half of their advertised range in cold weather. And another study that found three Tesla models averaged 26% below their advertised ranges. So it sounds like, A, we need more regulation everywhere. And B, Tesla and Elon Musk need to be more upfront. Uh, because, yeah, sure, it might sound more competitive when your car's op- like max range sounds like it's 350 to 400 miles on a charge. But completely inaccurate you lose consumer trust altogether who's gonna buy a tesla i don't know are people still buying teslas aren't people returning their teslas that's what i've been hearing because of elon musk stuff yeah i mean the the whole you know ev market is kind of in a weird spot right now because back in the pandemic all cars were just like inflation was going through the roof there weren't there wasn't enough supply for anything and you know so cars were getting marked up like crazy now that you know we're kind of coming out of that um, the prices of EVs uh, and cars in general, especially used cars, is starting to go- come down a little bit. Right, right. And uh, and there are some dealerships who are saying that like they have an oversupply of EVs that are just sitting in lots waiting for people to buy them. And so it's kind of interesting because we've seen this rush to like, you know, especially when gas prices were a lot higher during the pandemic, people are like, oh man, I should really consider an EV just because, you know, I'm going to save some money on fuel prices. Um, but, you know, I think... We're still very much in this like first wave of like mass adoption for EVs. And so you have a lot of the people who were like, 
okay, I'm in, you know, I like EVs. I want to get something. Uh, I want to get an electric car. And they went out and got it. And then now we're waiting for like the next wave of people to be like, hey, is it time for me to finally jump on this bandwagon? And we're kind of seeing that like, you know, a lot of that kind of pressure that was pushing people toward EV is kind of fading away. And so a lot of that inventory is still kind of sitting around a little bit. I mean, I'm interested more in like hybrids. From what I hear, hybrids are where it's at right now. Um but yeah, we'll I mean, see. you you get you get the kind of best of both worlds. Uh, you know, you get that. You know, you don't have to worry about range anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. On the flip side, you know, they can be a little bit more expensive and a little bit more complicated because you have to worry about a gas engine and a, a, a electric motor. Uh, and you know, if you are really really high on like the environmental concerns, it's not quite as green. Uh, but you know, there's like like everything. There's trade offs. It's definitely more green than a full gas vehicle. So oh, like, for sure. I th- yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's also, some, yeah. it's, it's also always important to remember, if you really are, you know, want to be as eco-friendly as possible, buy a used car. Because there's nothing worse than just, like, buying new cars just to buy new cars. Because, you know, you're feeding into the consumer, you know, cycle. But, you know, if you can, you know, keep your car that you have running as long as you possibly can, buy used. Um, there's There's all different ways to approach, you know, the kind of issue of... Hey, we want to be eco-conscious in terms of our vehicles, um, and necessarily just buying a new EV just to buy just to have something is not always the best choice. Fun fact: in Singapore, cars have to be scrapped after ten years. Did you know that? Mm. Yeah, but I mean, only Sing- Singapore has a very weird car culture because it costs yeah. like thousands and thousands of dollars just to get a permit, right? Thousands a per- is just, underselling per- it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's like it's like fifty thousand or more. Yeah. In, yeah, I mean, it depends on the car. So in Singapore, we have this thing called the Certi- Certificate of Entitlement or the COE that allows you to buy a car. Um, and it, the, the the cost of the COE depends on the cost of your car that you're trying to buy. Uh, sometimes you have to bid for it. Um, so this is an effort to keep the number of cars down in Singapore. Right, because Singapore, you know, it's small, doesn't have a lot of roads, doesn't have a lot of space exactly. for cars, doesn't have a lot of space for people. Um, yeah. There's like, we, we, exactly. And like, we're like, oh, we have no more parking lots. We have no more space for cars. Our expressways are as wide as we can make them without cutting down more forestry. Like, it's just, you know, a struggle. So that's why cars are way more expensive in Singapore. And the the, the scrapping of cars after 10 years thing is less about, um, like, keeping the numbers down and more about making sure, like, up-to-date vehicles are on the streets, I oh, guess. Oh, that's interesting. Like, so they want to make sure that cars are more recent, have, you know, better efficiency, better technology. I don't really know the full reasoning. I just know that, like, after 10 years, they have to be scrapped. And that's pretty much it. You can buy secondhand vehicles, but that market is really, like, small in Singapore, at least that I know I was going to say, because that severely cuts down on your time frame for ownership, because you buy a five-year-old used car, it's like, okay, I can only have this car for another five years. Yes. Also, in Singapore, uh, the second you buy a car, you lose 20% of the value, because it's immediately, like, the lifespan is down by so much, so... Um, anyway, th- th- wasn't there some news from Ford also this week about the uh, F-150 Lightning production, Sam? Yep. Uh, so after uh, Ford kind of shut down uh, F-150 Lightning production, um, partly to retool the factory because uh, previously they weren't making as many cars as I think there was demand for. And so they they shut down production, they retooled, and they're hoping to uh, bring it back and really ramp up production uh, the company says it expects up to triple the numbers uh, after upgrading their factory. So if you are in the market for a big, expensive uh, EV truck, you know, this is probably some good news. Maybe you don't – I know the wait list for that car was like 
uh, a year or more at certain points. Right. And so I think it's come down recently, but you know, hopefully it brings those wait times down. So hey, if you want a truck, you can actually go and buy one. Isn't it similar to the Rivian trucks? Is it like in the same market? EV trucks in general, there's been a t- there's been a ton of uh, you know new EV trucks. Um, there's that Ram that we saw back at CES. Uh, Rivian has been on the market. Uh, Davinger was testing out the uh, SUV version of the Rivian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah, e- EV trucks. And you you know if you think about it, you know having an EV truck where you can you know power your tools and you know power stuff like that on the work site it actually makes a lot of sense. So you know it's. It seems like an interesting application of that. Um, it's still a bit too early to tell how you know adoption is going to be, but uh, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and didn't Tesla have a Cybertruck? <laughs> well, uh, they <laughs> announced it. Uh, you still can't buy one, and it's very unclear when it will go on sale. But you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Oh, if only Elon Musk would get his act together. He could be so good. It could be. Anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of taking down Elon Musk. I don't know if that's what we're talking about. Maybe that's the topic this week. Maybe that's the theme. We're taking down Elon, uh, taking down X. Um, We have heard this week about uh, news out of Meta. Meta may be planning some retention hooks to keep people using threads, which is uh, the company's Twitter competitor or or I guess X competitor. Reuters reports that uh, Mark Zuckerberg had a sort of internal meeting, like an internal uh, town hall uh, talking about threads and how yes it has had a hundred million signups in you know th- like what within the first week of launch but that the drop-off is not great it's you know we saw again news last week that like people are already stopped like you know not as engaged on threads as they were at the start. Uh, we've got a, a quote from the Reuters report saying that Zuck said, obviously, if you have more than 100 million people sign up, ideally, it would be awesome if all of them or even half of them stuck around. We're not there yet. So like not even half of them are sticking around is not great. Um, so during this uh, town hall, apparently Zuckerberg said he considered the drop off to be normal and expects retention to grow as the company adds more features, including a desktop version and search functionality. Hello. We've been only asking about this for or asking for this since the birth of threads. I mean, we now have the following tab, which is nice. And you can see people you follow it as opposed to just the algorithm feed. Um, Meta is looking at adding more, quote, retention driving hooks, according to the article, to entice more users to return to the app, like making sure that people who are on Instagram can see important threads. So, okay, this week, what also happened was Donald Trump was indict indicted for the third time on four counts of stuff like i my god i can't even remember what it was this time around already like conspiracy and like all of the jan 6 january 6 stuff right here's the thing when something like that happens i think a lot of us in the business are inclined to like run straight to twitter and check out what's trending to see all the updates to see what people are saying to laugh at all the funny memes and the jokes nobody wants to do that this time around i mean i'm sure some people did I went, I was finding out from threads. I was finding out all the stuff from threads, but I couldn't like go to a trending tab to find out more to see what people were saying. And that's when it was like painfully clear that like as much as threads has a lot of the people and has some of the features is still not there. And it's still not the place people go to, to talk about these like cultural moments, these like newsworthy moments at least not yet. And it really should have been. It could have been. Um, For sure. I mean, I, I think that's kind of a, a product of how Threads came about because 
hey, they linked it to Instagram. So anyone with an Instagram, it was super easy to sign up. You logged in, you used it, and you're like, oh, there's a lot of missing features that X or Twitter or whatever uh, yeah. already has. And so right. they're like, hey, this is kind of fun. And you know, you had a really fun early buzz, but like, you know, there's still more people over on Twitter. So if you really are, you know, want to make yourself heard or say something, your best chance is probably still on Twitter, at least for now. Um, for and now. I think, you know, uh, Meta is very, very aware of this. And, you know, they, they, they're they hoping to capitalize on the, the chaos over at X. Um, so this is not, this is going to be a very ongoing uh, uh, issue for, for Zuck and Threads. I mean, if you, I mean, I, I can't remember if it was this week too, but Elon Musk also tweeted something about like how, um, it, uh, what, it's got the highest monthly users on X or something. Like engagement is really high for, for, uh, X and, uh, everybody was like, you're lying, bro. Like you just chill. You're not, stop, stop lying to us. Um, obviously the competition between threads and Twitter is there. It is still growing. Um, and yet on Friday, we learned that uh, Zuckerberg, possibly during the same town hall, said something like, it's might not the Zuck versus Musk cage match is likely not happening. Um, disappointment. Is, 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 it, is, it, is it bad that I'm kind of sad about that? I kind oh, of we're all to, sad. Uh, okay, I kind of wanted to see it go down. Italy was even offering to let them fight in the Coliseum. Oh, that would have been <laughs> absolutely nutty. Oh my god, it's fucking wild. The UFC was like, yeah, we're, we're here to adjudicate if you need. Uh, people were like training the different... Uh, Musk was training. Musk apparently has a special move called the walrus, apparently. And, and, you know, for years, Zuckerberg has been training, I think it's yeah. uh, jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu. So, like, you know, he already has some experience. And it's like, I, I, I think... It's a little barbaric, don't get me wrong, but I think everybody would be very tuned in for that. We are. We would be very excited uh, to see. I think that would be like the fight of the century. Like, move o- move over, Manny Pacquiao. Like, we we, <laughs> we want Zuck versus Muck. Um, we've got more news out of Meta, um, potentially from that town hall or not. Uh, Instagram appears to be working on labels uh, to identify posts that have been generated by Meta AI. Um which would be nice uh, to if if it really were happening. Um, Meta is also reportedly planning an Abe Lincoln chatbot as part of a public AI push. So I guess cool. We'll have another chatbot to play with because we don't have enough I, already. I really do, do. I really have to wonder: Do we need this? Do, do we need do, any? Do do people need to chat with Abe Lincoln on like a regular basis? I don't know, bro. I just, I never wanted to talk to Abe Lincoln, except for after I watched Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I was like, bro, did you really know? Like, yeah. That actually, our, that would be my first question. Our producer, Ben, is bringing up a good point. It's how long can people find a way to uh, trick AI Abe Lincoln into saying some really dumb stuff? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, like, it's inevitable. This is it's like, there's no way this ends up working out well. Yeah, stuff to do with like Abe Lincoln's own legacy, probably too. So it was, uh, just, we'll just, no. Um, we'll see how Meta handles this. I don't think they have the best track record of handling potentially controversial stuff. I mean, I still don't think we've forgotten about Microsoft's Tay. Um, yeah, it's it's been done. And look, we again, like I said, we don't need another chatbot. We all the more don't need a themed chatbot, but I guess. If it's jumping on the bandwagon, if Meta is not going to focus on the metaverse, it's going to focus on AI, I guess. 
uh, and threads uh, and jujitsu. Um, a company that has been laser focused on AI seems to be Google. I mean, Google's been making AI its bitch <laughs> for years now. Okay, that's um, an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, look, I try to be entertaining on this show. Um, this week we learned Google may be looking to, quote, supercharge the assistant, the Google assistant, with AI. Um, it is... Axios obtained an internal email that has Google Assistant's Vice President Piyush Ranjan and the product director Duke Duklas, which, damn, that's a good name. Ducalis? Duke, basically, D-U-K-E-D-U-K-E-L-L-I-S. What a name. What a name. Um, but this was a staff email and that says that, um, hey, as a team, we need to focus on delivering high-quality, critical product experiences for our users. We've seen the profound potential of generative AI to transform people's lives and see a huge opportunity to explore what a supercharged assistant powered by the latest large language model technology would look like. Um, the email also stated that Google's already working on doing this for mobile devices. Now, I can tell you I'm not surprised, right? I mean, like, this doesn't surprise you I, right I was going to say, this is, like, credit to Axios. It's hard to get, you know, some concrete information, concrete leaks and stuff like that. But this is also the most, like, logical thing for Google to be doing. Google is, like, they've, they've made their bread and butter on the Google Assistant. And, exactly. you know, adding smarter features into their, their devices. And, hey, the, the Tensor chip, it has more... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, more powerful NPUs to deliver a higher capacity AI and machine learning performance. If Google isn't doing this, then they're 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 fucking up. So right, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, this is this is like a very logical next step for Google. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see these features get add you know throughout the next few years, like you know piece by piece. Um, the, the the Pixel phone line is like the perfect breeding ground for all of this stuff. Exactly. I just, look, I just want my assistant to be smarter. Honestly, just do my work for me already. File my expenses for me, B. Yes, please. Come on, uh, listen. You can do so much. Google, I know Google listens to this show. Hello. Listen, if you want to take this back to product people, filing my expenses for me, doing stuff that would, like, hurt. <laughs> that, that would help me a lot. Make the assistant do that. Uh, yeah, Sam, what's on your wish list? Concur. Where's your AI assistant, please? Yeah, concur. Yeah, Workday. We're looking at all of you. What is a what is that big like company that starts with S? Salesforce. Get into it. Um, use AI for good for for reducing all of these administrative tasks. I don't need another. I mean, I guess I really like the idea of Project Tailwind and that notebook thing. But okay, other than that, come on. You, you, Put your AI to better work. Um, speaking of putting AI to better work, <laughs> YouTube is testing AI-generated video summaries. Um, the description, basically, of what a video contains or a quick overview of a clip um, is usually, I think, written by humans. Um, and it's currently YouTube is currently testing using AI to generate these video summaries on the search and the watch pages. It is currently only visible with a limited number of English language videos and only for some viewers. Uh, they will also appear on mobile devices for how-to videos, shopping videos, and vlogs. Uh, people around the world will see these videos. Um, there are some preview features that were coming to YouTube that we've seen recently, like premium subscribers locking screens during playback during, I mean, to prevent accidental, um, I guess, commands. Uh, you can also turn shorts comments into entirely new short form clips. So basically making YouTube shorts a bit more like TikTok. 
Um, so yeah, we we are seeing YouTube continue to use AI to, I guess, automate a lot of these like tedious tasks. Um, AI generated summaries, AI generated captions, AI generated uh, or AI produced video chapters um, using, I guess, generative AI to do so. I think it's useful. I'm just concerned. I don't, I'm in, in the past, I mean, AI generated uh, closed captions are not really accurate, but with improvements to things like Lambda 2 and large language models over at Google, we should hopefully see that improve. Right. I mean, as, as it stands, like if you're a YouTube creator, you should be writing your own descriptions for your videos and whatnot. And this is nice for people who are just getting into, you know, making videos or whatnot. And, you know, they don't know all that stuff. And so, you know, they can have an AI kind of populate these fields. But ideally, you know, you want someone to like, hey, you made the video, you know what what's in it best, you can probably write a better description than an AI, or at least for now. Yeah, maybe some people don't like to write, and I get it with generative AI, like I'm seeing a lot of people who don't usually like to write, um, find it very helpful, right? Like writing emails, I, I, I take so much joy in writing emails, but I get it, not everyone wants to. Um, so I would, can you, see would you would you use an Sherlyn? Uh, you're you're well known around uh, around Engadget for having interesting out of office uh, email uh, responses when Gadget, you're on yes. vacation. Yeah. Would you would you ever use an AI to write your out of office, or do you get too much fun from doing that? I get so much fun from writing my out of office. I would never relegate that to AI. I would I would get AI to write my I agree to the embargo. Please send the details all the time, please. And the number of times I had to say that every day, geez, I would get I would get AI to like read scan my inbox and be like, seven thousand of these don't need to be read. There you go, go for it. Uh, <laughs> that would be my ideal AI in- inbox um, tool. All right, moving on to some quick hit news items for the from this week. We learned about some new PS five beta software. Sam, what can you tell us about this? Yep. Um. It's obviously it's beta, so they're still kind of in testing, but it rolls out some new accessibility features. You can use a second PS5 controller to, you know, kind of make it easier for you to use controls, especially if you, you know, aren't um, have issues using a traditional controller with just, you know, one hand or two hands. Um, There's also some new uh, audio options, uh, some new social features. And interesting, there's support for higher capacity uh, SSDs, which, as everybody has been noticing, games are getting bigger. And so... For people who want to download their games, especially if you have that digital-only PS5, you may want to upgrade to a higher-capacity M.2 SSD. And so they're saying you can get to up to 8 terabyte drives in the PS5, which should be, hey, it should make it a little bit easier to store all your favorite games. I think Call of Duty is, like, upwards of 150 gigs uh, nowadays. So, like, uh, 5 to 10 games, and you're suddenly, like, way over 1 terabyte. Um, So, yeah, that, that should be nice. That would be nice. Um, now, another thing that would be nice is if the iPhone used USB-C to charge, and it might be coming, according to the latest report from Mark Gurman, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who is a known you know, leaker slash estimator of upcoming iPhone features. Um, we're learning that the iPhone 15 may have everything from like thinner bezels and the, you know, the iPhone 15 and 15 plus, which is the non-pro models, they might be getting the dynamic island instead of a notch. So goodbye forever notch. Um, the, but to me, the most interesting is that the iPhone 15 might finally, finally switch over from lightning to USB-C charging ports. Holy, holy, holy nice. Um, do, do, do you want to do another bet? Cause I don't think that's happening this year. 
I think I think maybe next year you might see it, but I would put my money against seeing a USB-C iPhone in 2023. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. The European Union announced last year that all smartphones and tablets sold in that region must have a USB-C charging port starting in 2024. So if you're which talking... Is, which is the main reason why I don't think it's happening this year. Well, but companies if the, if companies yeah. don't change unless you make them, and they're right. not being forced to do it this year. We, we, we'll see. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what I'm betting on, so I, I really... Yeah, I, I, I wonder if Apple could, could, like, you know, make it early enough to, like your phone that you buy in 2023 will meet the standard for 2024 instead of waiting till 2024 to, to launch the phone. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I dream, 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 dream that it will have a, a USB-C. Um, speaking of dreams, there's a fun game. Uh, <laughs> Zen moving game called Unpacking. I know you are, you are familiar with this game. Sam, you and your wife are familiar with it. Uh, this week, we learned that it's coming to Android and iOS on August 24th. Uh, you bet some money I will be downloading that. Um, Unpacking is just one of those, like, really chill, relaxing... Uh, I think a lot of people call it, a, like, a cozy game. Because it's just, like, you know, you just do it to, like, wind down. It's not... It's very it's very slow-paced. And it's, like, uh, it's, you know, kind of a blend between, like, a puzzle game and a kind of just, like, you know, relaxing, casual game. It's fun. Uh, everyone should try it out, especially now that it's available on mobile. Uh, it seems like a perfect application of this. This does not need like tight controls. Uh, it you know very easy to play on on a phone. Although I'm wondering some some of the objects are a little bit smaller, so I'm wondering how that's going to work with uh, you know touch controls. The only thing that's keeping me from playing it is it costs ten dollars. What? Come on, Sherlin, the iOS version can Sher- be Sherlin, what? Pay for your games, okay? If you like a game. The people who made it, they deserve a little bit of money. But more importantly, if you pay full price for a game, that sends a, a, a message to all the people who keep stuffing microtransactions in games. Yeah. Okay? Remember, like, three or four years ago, uh, Nintendo came out with a Mario game that was full price. And people were, like, flipping out because... They were used to having free games with microtransactions on mobile. And so, basically... Nintendo gave up on trying to make high quality full price games or you know games with a set price on mobile and that's just kind of disappointing. I get it. Listen, I'm also sick of playing solitaire and having to wait for an ad every time I need to play a new round. I yes. I get it. I know. And if you like a game, you know the developers deserve a little a, a little a little money, a little monetary. Okay, support. unpacking can get my money or maybe you know Sam can buy it for me since he talks such a big game. Uh- we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for Christmas. <laughs> okay. Speaking of games and microtransactions, yesterday I checked out uh, a new experience called Replica at the Met Museum in New York. Basically, the Met M- Metropolitan Museum of Art teamed up with Verizon to launch an app called Replica. And it basically allows you to use an app um, to run around the museum looking for certain specific uh, pieces of art, including things like Perseus and Medusa or like king henry the seventh or eighth sorry suit of armor um and stuff like that and scan them using your phone and then turn them into these like digital items that you can then convert into roblox items and look if you do not have a kid in your life you probably do not know 
Roblox is hype. I was gonna say you you were telling me about this. You're like you you were having you said you were kind of struggling a little bit to uh, release your inner child. Oh, struggling a little bit, bro. <laughs> Watch the video. We have a video coming up on Engadget.com. It is uh, not Engadget.com. Engadget's YouTube channel. Maybe Engadget.com. Um, you will watch me struggle to bring out my inner child. It will be fun for you to watch, not me. I had had very little fun with this. But hey, it's starting today, August 3rd. If you're in the New York area, you have someone in your life that loves digital experiences like this or you know wants to collect all kinds of items uh, for their Roblox collection, there are 37 pieces of art up for grabs, converting them into digital items through the app. Uh, app is free, experience is free. Um, entry to the Met costs probably about 30 bucks. Um, but yeah, it's a fun day. I, I thought, honestly, for the video, I thought I was going to be able to like collect 10 items. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. You kind of run around looking at the app with clues as to where these items are. And I spent like an hour looking for one item. Because I dome. Um, I was also a little bit... Like, hey, it's a big museum. Yeah, well, we were we were confined to one room, but okay, thanks. Thanks for <laughs> okay. your kindness. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, but yes, anyway, uh, yeah, go go check it out if you're in the New York area anytime uh, this summer. Sam, uh, one last piece of news this week that was very funny for me to see that we covered anyway was that Mr. Beast is suing his fast food chain for selling, quote, inedible burgers. Have you seen this? Uh, I mean, look, I, I cannot say I've ordered uh, a Mr. Beast burger ever, but I mean, the, the whole thing is like, you know, a, a few years ago, Mr. Beast came out with his Mr. Beast burger, so you can go on your all your favorite uh, food ordering apps and, you know, order a Mr. Beast burger, and I was just sitting here this whole time, I was like, what the hell does Mr. Beast know about making burgers? Like, the dude makes on YouTube, and like, his whole thing is like, throwing a ton of money and giving away cars and, you know, doing crazy stunts. So as it turns out, uh, obviously Mr. Beast was not making the burgers himself, and he had contracted out his brand to uh, Virtual Dining Concepts. And, you know, they're kind of a ghost kitchen service, and this is ghost kitchens have been, you know, a trend that's been growing over the past few years. And so they were using the Mr. Beast brand to make Mr. Beast burgers and sell them to people. And uh, now Jimmy Donaldson, a.k.a. Mr. Beast, is suing VDC, uh, because it seems like they're more interested in expanding their uh, foothold than making a decent burger, which is kind of sad, but also not entirely unexpected. Um, I, I, yeah, I think so it's th- funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and the YouTuber points out that numerous uh, Mr. Beast Burger reviews uh, call the food inedible, revolting, and just downright unappetizing. Mm. Um, and apparently, this is, there's like, raw meat. I'm sorry, customers. raw meat. Raw meat. Are you kidding me? Raw meat, Sam. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, this is like, you know, one of those things is like, number one, why are you ordering food from uh, <laughs> like a YouTube influencer? Like, okay. And the other thing is like, what are you expecting? Like, these are burgers. Uh, there's some cheese on it, maybe some ketchup and a ton of grease. And it's like, you can get that level of burger anywhere. But for some reason, obviously, Mr. Beast has a ton of subscribers on YouTube, big, big audience. And, you know, a lot of these kids, a lot of the a lot of his fans are kids. And so maybe, you know, they're not thinking about it too clearly. They're just like, hey, I want to, you know, buy something from the creator that I watch a lot. And so I think that's that's why, like, it's really important um, that influencers who are you know licensing out their brand really do a quality inspection of their you know these products that are using their name um yeah so let's not let's just say it's not just influencers right because i've told you this in our real world life before sam that i've seen on uber eats the dj khaled 
uh, wing stop or like ghost kitchen thing where it's like, it's another wing, basically. It's another one. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, let's try this. I was tempted to try it because it's it's funny. Um, I never did. Uh, dear listener, I'm more sensible than that. But it's, it's yeah, it's obviously not just influencers, some celebrities too. And ghost kitchens are definitely like, still around i feel like maybe less so i don't see the uh, the another wing thing on my <laughs> food delivery apps anymore and so so the, the, the kind of scary thing about ghost kitchens is that you can make an infinite number of all these different restaurant brands and so there's yeah. been people who have you know traced these back and they say oh there's 15 different restaurants operating out of the same facility because they just go on these uh you know uber eats and they make you know a fake restaurant and a fake name but it's the same people making all the same food. And right. so it makes it really difficult for, you know, when you're ordering stuff online to really figure out, hey, am I getting quality stuff? Or is it there people just, hey, they're churning it out and they're maybe they're making a couple slight tweaks just so I can get something that like, you know, by the description is what I want to eat. But yeah, it's it's tough out there. It's like the white label market for for devices here, right? Like you can buy one like uh, fitness tracker, but it's pr- and it's branded to be like buy several different things on Amazon, but it's actually all boils down to the same manufacturer operating in a factory somewhere and not in America. Um, it seems like it's happening to food now. Yeah, uh, I was I was doing some research. Uh, this happens a lot with like, uh, yeah, like you know lesser, not exactly brand name goods, like uh, for example, um, in dash car cameras. Um, Because if you think about it, there's only a handful of companies that make camera sensors, right? And so a lot of these companies are buying the same sensor and maybe they're, you know, they're making their own software. A lot lot of times they're not. And so, you know, you have a device that is functionally the same and has very similar specs, but has a different brand name on the actual device. And so it, it really puts a lot of the burden on the consumer to like figure out, hey, who's making my device? Who's making my food in this case? And you know, how much are they really responsible and how much do they care about making a good product? All right, moving on, we have a listener question of sorts this week since we have some time. Um, it's not really a real listener, I don't think. So this, is, this question came to me through uh, Dennis from our studios team or now our video Yahoo Finance video team. Uh, and Dennis asked me a very interesting question yesterday. He is a Pixel and Android user, and he's wondering, is it worth switching over to iPhone? And I know this is an eternal question, but I thought since we have some time this episode, plus we also love to use it as an opportunity to tell you if you're listening and, you know, instead of being able to watch the live stream, you missed the banter, you can always reach us via email, podcast, and engadget.com. Sam, what yes. are your thoughts on this uh, Android versus iPhone? Because I, I gave Dennis a quick answer that I can repeat. Uh, quickly here but i want to hear your thoughts yeah first uh also anyone who wants to ask us questions the weirder the better so absolutely please send them in the weirder the better yeah oh 100 i love i love the weird questions (laughs) anyways when it comes to deciding on whether to switch from one mobile uh, os to another i think it's interesting that he mentioned that he was curious because i feel like unless you have that desire to switch if you get pulled over to android or ios and you don't want to be there, you're going to absolutely hate it. Now, that said, like, you know, if he's curious about switching, you know, there's could be a lot of reasons for that. Like, hey, it sucks that it's the way it is, but if you have a lot of people on iMessage or Apple Messages and you want to be in that chat, sometimes it actually just makes it easier to have an iPhone to be able to talk to those people. 
uh, that the whole green bubble, uh, blue bubble uh, divide definitely still exists. But on top of that, like, you know, if you are using your uh, a Mac as your daily driver laptop, yep. you know, there is an there's a very tangible benefit to being in Apple's ecosystem. And this is like this is the biggest kind of sticking point that, you know, prevents people from switching from one to another. Um, and because the Android Windows like relationship ecosystem just isn't quite as friendly, you know, I can definitely see people wanting to go and switch from Android to iPhone. That said, you know, there are some certain things that, like, you know, you can't sideload apps on, on iOS. And there, there's, there, you know, there's very concrete limitations on, you know, what you can do on Apple's platform. You know, that transition point is how much how much frustration are you willing to deal with in that uh, switchover time? There's definitely, like, a transitional period where it's going to suck. But then once you get used to everything, it's fine. I So here was my answer to him, and I'll, I'll shorten it, sort of. Um, I said that, like, sure, like, it won't probably hurt or sting too much to change once you get past the transitional period. But get ready. If you switch to iPhone, you're never switching back. That's what I think. I mean, like, the again, the green bubble, blue bubble thing, you will lose all those friend groups almost immediately. The fact is that currently, you know, Apple doesn't support RCS and that's going to make it difficult for any sort of cross device chatting and that kind of you know by default leaves like gates Android users from that ecosystem what Sam said about the interoperability between Macs and iPhones absolutely makes sense I wish Windows actually now that you're talking about it, I wish Windows just shipped by default with support for Android phones to like work seamlessly on laptops as the you know how Mac- MacBooks do it right yeah the, I mean the, there, there is yeah. the your phone app but it's still kind of clunky yeah. and but it's even clunky. like very very basic stuff like hey there's no back gesture on iOS that's it, that's what I was, yeah, that was my biggest, like, I miss it so much. So recently I also, like, answered a, a thread uh, about, like, yeah, switching over. And me, I think, and Dan Seifert from Verge, and I think uh, Ruddick, David Ruddick from uh, somewhere now. <laughs> Sorry, David. Um, we were talking about this. Uh, and so the things I would miss most, uh, or I like most about iPhone that keep me locked in are, surprisingly, uh, Air, AirDrop. I just love AirDrop. I know Nearby Share exists, but it's just not as good of an experience um and then apple watch obviously as someone who like loves to track daily activity i love apple watch um but what i would not like what i miss about android because i've been maining iphone for a bit cameras are just always so much better on a pixel phone um you also get i think i like the just back gesture a lot that one i miss so much every day i just yearn for it um, and also Pixel UI. I think there's a lot about Pixel UI that I love. Call screening is something that's Pixel great. Pixel UI, the, the Pixel Recorder. Pixel Recorder um, is on my list too, yes. Just mm-hmm. a lot of good things that I miss. So let's just answer this shortly, right? Yeah, there are reasons to go to iPhone, but you'll be giving some stuff up. Uh, or if you're going over to Android, you'll also be giving some stuff up. You know what the ultimate nice answer is? Y'all play nice. Google and Apple. Y'all just be nice to each other. Why can't you? Anyway. I just got real angry mom mode there. Uh, so anyway, send us your listener questions. Like Sam said, the weirder, the better. They they should be about tech. But like if they're not, I don't think we really mind. But like we will probably not answer them on air. <laughs> um, maybe privately. I don't know. But yes, uh, send us your questions about tech. Uh, any sort of advice you need? Any uh, thoughts about new products? Send them our way at podcast.engadget.com. <laughs> Moving on to what we're working on this week, Sam, I, I suspect I know what you're working on, but tell us. 
Yes, uh, I'm working on the Z Fold 5 review, uh, doing a, a little bit of comparison between the Z Fold 5 and the Pixel Fold now that, hey, Samsung actually has competition in the foldable space outside of China. Lovely. Uh, I myself am also working on Samsung things, Galaxy Z Flip 5 review, along with the Galaxy Watch 6 Classic review. Uh, like I said, some uh, secrets are in the works as well, but I just, listen, I think I should be working on not working. Uh, hopefully taking a break soon as well. Um, around Engadget, the rest of our team has also been hard at work. James True, our editor-at-large, produced a story this week about Amazon Amp and how it is the under-the-radar app that is trying to reinvent radio. Give it a read, especially if you're an audiophile or a podcast fan. Sam, I also want to shout out that you published a piece this week about the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4 uh, and its durability. Has Samsung fixed its foldable phone's biggest weakness? Yeah, this has sort of become a yearly tradition for me because uh, anyone who listens to me is probably not surprised to know that like I'm a big fan of foldable devices. And so one of the big questions about foldables is how durable are they? And so, you know, for the last three generations, uh, I've bought the latest Samsung Z Fold and, you know, used it for a year with uh, without a case. And so this is kind of just me talking about it. And surprisingly... The screen protector on my Z Fold 4 hasn't bubbled up really until actually just this week. <laughs> uh, so it's been a full year without any sort of like real bubbling or screen protector issues. That said, as you'll find in the story, I'm not sure they've completely solved that. Definitely go to Engadget.com for more. The thing I'm wondering is, Sherlyn, what do you think I should do? Should I uh, use uh, the Z Fold 5 for a year or should I switch to the Pixel Fold for a year? Because we don't know anything about Google's durability for its foldables. I think you should do both. But if I had to pick, it would I can be only, the Pixel I can Fold. only really daily drive one phone at a time, though. Well, I my vote's for the Pixel Fold. I don't know about you. What's your vote? I'm, I'm sort of leaning that way just because... Google, you know, this is Google's first foldable phone. They're still kind of an unknown quantity. And, you know, they've made some interesting design uh, departures from the Z Fold series. And so I'm really curious to see how that kind of holds up over time. And, you know, who knows if Google is going to release a Pixel Fold 2 or they, you know, go the way of Microsoft and kind of drop the duo uh, sooner than people might expect. Well, let's move on to our Engadget picks for the week. Uh, Sam... Let me get through mine because I have like a quick list of things. This week, I have just not been doing any <laughs> watching of pop culture things or relaxing. Really, I've just been out here living life. <laughs> My recommendation is uh, I recently went like hosted or like planned a bachelorette thing. And uh, we went to a few fun things that I want to recommend people in the New York City area. Check out. We went to this uh, rice bar for drag brunch. It was top-notch, great entertainment. If that's the kind of thing you're looking for for a celebration, go. It's so much fun. Uh, we also went to this custom fragrance workshop thing uh, called Olfactory NYC. There are several locations. We went to the Soho one. You'll have fun there if you like anything to do with fragrances at all. It's not about perfumes. You, you, body but lotion, you did make your own perfume, right? I did. I made my own perfume. I made my own body lotions as well. You can also make your own diffusers. So there's just a lot of options when it comes to fragrances. Um, also, I've been playing a lot of solitaire, obviously, but I've also been playing Goods Sort. I got suckered in. I watched an ad and I was like, oh, this like game where you pull all these like products into the same shelf and uh, sort of match them. Oh, it looks like fun. So I in installed it, played it for like nonstop for a bit until I got really frustrated with the ads and deleted it. 
Um, and finally, an actual pop culture pick. Check out New Jeans' new album that dropped this last two weeks. Um, new Jeans is the K-pop band that we all love. Okay, Sam, give us the real, real pop culture pick this week. I'm about to begrudgingly sign up for Peacock so I can finally binge watch uh, Twisted Metal, which is another interesting video game franchise turned TV show. Um, I haven't heard people talk about it. I don't know if it's just because on Peacock and not a lot of people are watching. <laughs> Fair. But there's also some other Peacock shows like uh, Poker Face and uh, Miss Davis that I want to need to catch up on too. I so tell me about because so I've seen the ads for Twisted Metal, Metal I think on my Google Home interface. I'm sorry, my Google TV interface. It looks so interesting. What is it about? Well, the whole thing is about like the Twisted Metal okay. franchise doesn't make any sense because it's about okay. like weird characters who have cars and they just are in a destruction derby. And there wasn't really a story uh, about that franchise until Twisted Metal Black. And that kind of really, like, introduced some of the backgrounds behind all the different characters. And, like, you know, Sweet Tooth is the obvious m- most famous character. He's kind of a mm. crazy clown, and he drives around mm. in a messed up ice cream truck. Um, so are we but- going to watch a c- clown for this show? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate clowns. but uh, are, are, okay. are you one of those people who are scared of clowns? No, I love clowns. What? <laughs> You know why I love clowns? Okay, you want to know the funny uh, this, story why this I love is clowns? Be good. Oh, okay, yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> Tell me what the first four letters of the word clown is. Oh God. <laughs> oh no, that is the worst reason. I love clowns because they have my name in the first four letter of the word. So whenever I go like create like uh, when I want to have a gender neutral like uh, gaming handle or something, I go with clown something. I always pick clown something. So oh god, yeah, there clown you go. Clown face, clown face, clown. No, I'll tell you what my actual name is later on, so people don't find me and bash me online. But uh, <laughs> you're spilling potentially secrets about your uh, doxing your internet all. handle. Yes. Um, okay, but sounds like Twisted Metal could be fun. Is about a crazy. Cl- driving a crazy car right i know that the show was made it's based on a franchise video game franchise Mm. i used to play a Mm. lot i have like have heard nothing about it really and so that's (laughs) kind of why i'm curious to see what what uh what it actually turns out to be because video game franchise turns into shows have not had a very good reputation uh as we saw with last year's uh halo show but arcane yes arcane is like the one exception uh which actually reminds me that should be coming out it's sometime in early 2024, I believe, uh, but still a little wise, a little ways away uh, from that. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on whatever you want to call that service. If you want to send me your thoughts for gamer handles that start with the word clown, you can send them to me at Instagram on threads, at Instagram on Instagram, or email me, sure, C-H-E-R, at Engadget.com. Email us your thoughts about the show at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes, and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Uh, you know what? I don't mind eating paper. Let's do it. Two years. Uh, 